on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. What up, no 24-7 peeps? We're in here. We're live. Dane's muted. Unmute, Dane. Say hi to everybody. You can see that I'm muted? Hello. Yeah, of course I can. Dane, I can see everything. Four people already in here. Briley is wondering if I'm fat fingering everything. I'm always fat fingering things. Briley is just, look at those things. Look at those. Come on. Mm, not that fat. Are my wrists big enough, Dane? I guess they're pretty meaty wrists. I think your frame is pretty impressive, AB. I'm not going to lie. Not so much for you, Brennan, but. <laughs> oh, shots fired already, Brennan. So, as you can see, we are back continuing on our top 40 train. The Impact Top 40 posted on Knowles 24-7. We are reviewing that here, giving some hot takes. The takes have already been pretty spicy. Uh, me with Lawrence Tolfield not rated was apparently, a, or not ranked, was apparently a very spicy one that you know, a lot of, some feedback for, some feedback against. Um, I thought we could start with a little review of where we've been. Then we'll get into where we're going. Um, tonight's journey is going to take us from player 20 through player 11. And then we'll be into the top 10. Top 10 format might be a little bit different. We, I think we're going to do five at a time instead of 10 at a time. Um, so, look, it's Friday night at 820. Kick back. Enjoy a little solid conversation here talking about Knowles football. If you've got a cold refreshment, cheers. Dean. Literally spilled an entire cup of coffee all over himself right before this started. Um, I won't tell was, you was where. It hot, was it hot coffee, Dane, or cold? No, it was cold. It was iced coffee. Oh, Disappointing. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Great balls of fire. Anyway. So, Sitting on it didn't feel good, though. <laughs> like, no matter if it was hot or cold. Which you said. supposed to tell them where it was. <laughs> you let, that, let their imagination run wild, all right? 20 people here right now just wondering. I wonder where Dane's coffee went. Well, now they know. You gave away the great answer. Still going. You the people thinking. All right, 21. Somebody somebody doesn't know now. Somebody's not on the inside. All right, so we're going to kind of recap where we've been. Um, For the audio listeners, I'll do my best to name off everybody. For those of you joining us, I'm going to pull it up so you can see. Not going to give away everybody tonight. Going to try to go one by one. Um, but if you've been on those 24 7 reading along, you know where we are. Oh, poor Kev. He's not on the inside jokes. Brennan, any any plugs you want to drop for the website? I'm going to plug it. Yeah, let's go. Shout out to our sponsor for all podcasts, Chattanooga Whiskey. Oh, yeah. Award winning whiskey, bourbon. Rye experimental stuff. They do everything. They do it at a great level and they do it at a great price as well. Speaking of great prices, when we play Buyer Sinone, our Buyer Sinone sponsor is the Turner Group. Turner, Turner Group. Uh, I am, oh, look, we got our Turner Group koozies out. Yeah, I'm drinking a little beer right now. I Not have alienated AB. I'm all the way up here in Delaware. I don't know. Uh, well, you know what? If you Tell ever Williams, want to... that that's who's the big realtor up here. So um... they're not paying us to talk about this. <laughs> well, if you ever want to rent, 
if you ever want to come down to Tallahassee mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't want to rent, it's going to be too expensive, but you know what I want to do? I want to buy a home and then rent it out to some suckers and make some money off of it. You know who can help you out with that? The Turner Group? You ain't lying, so email Colin Turner. Get started at theturnergroup.com and he'll help you make money off some suckers. Sorry, Colin. It's the best I got right now. So yeah, shout out to them. Let's get going. They got some fire content on, on IG though. They do. To be honest, you start start following them on Instagram. They're they're they they got some great content over there. So mm-hmm. you can do that too. I mean, hey, get their get their followers up. Oh yeah, let them know we sent you, please. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump into it. So we're going to take a look back at where we've been. We're going to start down here at number forty with Jakai Douglas. I didn't feel like there was a lot of craziness there. Some of us had him ranked. Some of us didn't have him ranked. Yeah, we'll see where he kind of fits in the bill, fits in this, this season. Byron Turner Jr., your number four defensive end. Again, he, there's going to be a theme kind of this this area of players, of guys who there's a bit of variance of opinions, but I feel like everybody's kind of in the same ballpark for the most part. Not anything too crazy. Um, a, high, a high of 28 w- with Trey, a low of not ranked by, by uh, a couple people. Winston Wright Jr., potential slot receiver. Is he all the way back? Who knows? We're going to find out. Uh, he was ranked at 38, 37, first true freshman, Conrad Hussey. Again, some people can thinking he might fit into that rotation. Some people thinking he might not. Uh, AB, I would have – so I've seen him in person now, like compared to other freshmen walking around. And uh, just based on that, I should have had him ranked, I think, at least like at 40. He should have been on my list. So, so I like yeah. that. So you guys I have been out of camp. Well, this might be an interesting little aside as we were going through some of these recaps. You guys have been out of camps. A lot of these guys have been out there also, and you've had an opportunity to see them. If another player, you know, like you've seen Conrad Hussey now, another guy jumps out, throw that in there because I'm I'm, I'm curious to see as you've seen them what these guys physically, their transformations, even from springtime. Destiny Hill is is one that Dane and I, I'll let Dane talk. I think we both are, uh, have a pit in our stomach for not uh, having him ranked based on the intel we've seen him. Chris Nee was the only one that had him ranked at 40. Um, (laughs) The the irony of that, of Chris being the one who you want to talk (laughs) about it the most of anyone, to be the only one to rank him, and he'll end up probably looking smart because I think Destin Hill will work his way into some capacity of play this season. Punt return, wide receiver rotation, something. Dane, tell me about Dustin Hill. Yeah, so like Brennan's saying, we've seen a few guys now in person, and the two two that stick out the most for sure is Conrad Hussey and Dustin Hill. And AB, hey, what what do we like? All right, we like thick wrists and skinny ankles. Exactly, and Dustin Hill is an absolute dude, and those are things that right. that stand out. All right, so so twitched up, rocked up. That's what, I mean, and that fits the bill when you see his uh, high school tape, when you just kind of see him in, in photos. He's a rocked up type of dude, obviously in better shape than what I probably gave him credit for coming in because, I mean, I think it was reasonable to expect that maybe he would lag his conditioning and his physical uh, development as he hadn't played football in a couple of years. So it's encouraging to hear that he stepped onto campus. Maybe we're maybe that's going to be the one we regret the most in the end. Um, yeah, yeah, he, he came in. going to be trolling the entire night in the chat, and it's going to be hard to keep me focused. He, he came in looking – I mean, he looks – he looks like an NFL player a little bit, to be honest. He's got that. He's just a dude. He, he has that look to him. Good. That's good. That's, that's encouraging. All right, so Ryan Fitzgerald, I was the high beta number 13. Everybody else was kind of in the low 30s. We're going to keep it moving. DJ Lundy at 35. 
Marcus Douglas biscuit at 34, Josh Farmer at 33. There were some varying opinions there. Kevin and I were pretty low. Everybody else was kind of in the mid twenties to, to low thirties. Um, Ken Trump Portier was a player who we talked about that if Keon Coleman hadn't come in, we felt like would have been ranked much higher, but unfortunately you bring in a true number one receiver to go along Johnny, go alongside Johnny Wilson in uh, Keon Coleman. And it's going to bump somebody down and that somebody is, Likely going to be going to be Kentron. Um, Thirty-one Rodney Hill. Some difference of opinions. Is he going to be your number two? Is he maybe your number? Th- is he maybe going to be your number three as far as touches? Um, uh, we'll see between he and Lawrence Tolfili. Uh, Dennis Briggs at thirty. Pass rusher Kyle Morlock. Dane, we didn't get your thoughts on Kyle Morlock last time you weren't with us. I want to get him now. When you guys did the impact transfers list, when it was, I believe it was you, Brendan, Chris, and Zach, you had him up at like number two or number three. I find him here on this list at number 31 and me being the high man at 23 because I feel like he's going to make a big impact on the red zone. What the hell happened? Having Kyle Morlock at, I think it was like seven. I think that apparently that's two or three now, but, um, I think it was like five or something, but um, Chris has it written down somewhere. He's not here, unfortunately, but we have him to check you when that time comes. All right. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't, I guess, as, as impressive maybe in the spring. I think he still has a high ceiling and he's a guy who definitely should be on the list. I mean, I had him higher than, uh, than biscuit and biscuits. Another guy who you expect to make an impact. Um, But I don't know. I found it really hard around that range to really like rank guys lower than mm-hmm. they were. I feel like a lot of guys deserved deserved high spots. There's just a lot of guys that you can say are valuable for the team. But he's I mean, he's definitely in that mix. Like if he were to go down or something, you would feel that, I think. And he's a guy who you know, when you are playing in those really those big games like an LSU, like a Clemson, like potentially a playoff game or something, he's a guy you hope can kind of get closer to his ceiling by the season's end and potentially make a big impact for you. Like he has that ceiling to him. He, he interests me. I feel like the opinions have changed when he signed. I feel like the thought process was he comes in, he's your true in line blocking tight end going to be your number one in Jaheim Bell kind of a gadgety slot slash tight end hybrid role. Opinions seem to be changing drastically as all the, lists of all in the world come out now it seems like everybody's got biscuit kind of in there and and warlock is fighting for reps i'm anxious to see when the season gets here where we're at We've i seen wouldn't in the past i wouldn't say that necessarily like i mean i think biscuit and him will split reps pretty well i think they like a rotation there yeah. but yeah I, I but i agree with what you were saying at first about um him coming in and being like potentially that number one in legit like attached tight end type and that's why i had him higher than gm bell i was trying to make a statement saying you know that's the position group on offense that's been the weakest for the past few years and now you can have a legit number one guy there but yeah we'll see if that comes to fruition i would just i would just caution people to t- pump the brakes a little bit on projecting him because an off season can do a lot for guys as they learn the playbook as they get an opportunity to get in the weight room and get around these coaches, it can go a long way in developing uh, some confidence and in, in, in developing that speed that you're looking for. Oh, snap. Here he is. Let's get him in. Number four, Kev 
little Kev. What in the world? What's up, man? Oh, from the top rope. Just dropping Came in out here. Of nowhere. That's Kevin Little's music. <laughs> I I just wanted to hear more about um some ankles. I heard you guys there was some good ankle talk going on earlier. No, we'll talk about that off the air. Uh, come on, now. I can't can't give away all the secrets to the people. Wait, right. was Dane explaining why he Doctor the Doctor R J P is in the house here? Come on, man. Was a uh, was was Dane explaining um why Morlock was in a top ten pick for him? Why a guy getting second string tight end reps in a spring game was his number seventh most important player? <laughs> Honestly, man, I, I kind of forgot about the whole transfer thing. I wish I had more luck higher. I should have done it. I should have threw him in the top 15 and fought for it. Like you are, Meech, in the top 10. I should have done Dude, that. Dude, Meech. All right. Let, let's keep moving on here so we can get to this one, and we can have you two debate this. Uh, Lawrence Tolfield at number 28. I, I did not have him ranked. I did not feel like he was going to be a, bit, a big impact player. If you go back to the last video, you will hear Brennan and I debate that. I thought it was a pretty solid debate, honestly, and one that was really kind of down the middle. We both made really good points. I felt like coming away from that in the comments section and on the, on the Knowles 24-7 message board, people were kind of divided both sides, seeing each each argument. And I, I think that that speaks to the, to the conversation that we had about that player. Uh, 27, Greedy Vance Jr., potential slot, rece- uh, slot corner starter. Um, we'll see if that plays out. 26, Gilbert Edmond. Maybe your number three defensive end. Uh, I think the ceiling's higher. I think the coaches think the ceiling's higher than maybe some are giving him credit for. I think the impact will be there this year. 25, Tate Rotomaker. This was controversial because it's a, you know, is he even going to play a rep this year? But at the same time, he is your backup quarterback. There's just a certain level of, of significance that that player is always going to have for you, especially with Jordan Travis's injury history. Uh, number 24, Casey Roddick, 23, Darius Washington, 22, Jerry and Jones. Um, Jones was an interesting one because it was like, is he your number three corner, your number four corner? Brendan's super high on him. I was not quite as high. You're muted. I was not quite as high just because, Damn it. Just because I don't think your number three corner is that impactful even though he's gonna play a lot of reps i don't know how to, i don't i i just don't value that impact on the season but do, though i do think he's a good player go ahead brendan i was gonna say he, he could be your starter potentially and if could he's be. not your starter he's probably your top backup at a premium position so <laughs> the beauty of doing the uh the composite like we do is 22 is reasonable even yeah. I had him at 17. You had him at 33. Not that 22 is right in the middle of that, but I don't think anyone's walking away saying 22 is crazy. Agreed. I agree. All right. And the one everybody hopefully has shown up for, number 21, <laughs> Demetri Emanuel. Big Meech. Kev ranked him at eight. Everybody else was kind of in that 20 range. Dane ranked him at 38. How the hell were you guys 30, 30 people apart? <laughs> crazy. He was an all-conference lineman last year, second-team all-conference. Dane, you rank him like a guy that's not even going to play. Kev, you rank him like he's the best offensive lineman on the team. What in the world? Kev, I want to start with you as the high man. How did you get to eight? Okay, I'm going to be completely honest. I I don't think he's eight. (laughs) (laughs) uh, He thinks he's nine. He thinks he's seven. I, in retrospect, him and Bless should be switched in my rankings. I, I that's my well, bad. I think well, he's top. Where did you have Bless still. at, Kev? 
Um, I don't remember four. the exact number. Four. Oh, so you're saying that? Oh, he's four. four? Oh, there you mm-hmm. go. Never mind. And I'm okay with eight. <laughs> he's like the highest guy on Blasted. All right. All right. Let, me, let me explain. I think you should have switched Dimitri Emanuel and Jordan Travis now that we're on. Okay, this this makes sense. This makes sense to I'm trying to remember where I was at when I made this ranking. Okay. How do you win and lose games? What wins and loses football games? Oh, the offensive line. Running the ball, stopping the run. Offensive line. Who is who do we think is the most surefire starter on the offensive line? Number one. Maurice Smith. Jeremiah Byers. Bless Harris. Yeah, in my opinion. I think number two, who is the number two best Murray offensive Smith. lineman most Murray likely Smith. to start? Murray Smith is the most likely offensive lineman to start. Probably Murray Smith. Number three. Snapping important to you. Dimitri Emanuel. I think he's the third best offensive lineman you have right now. Oh, hold on. I want to I want to say, I want to say I think he's the second best, but about, I think he's the third I, most likely I, to start. I think arguing most likely to start. I like Murray Smith, but I don't think he's your second best offensive lineman or first yeah. best offensive lineman. But he's your probably your most likely to start because he's the best snapper of the football. I think Dimitri Emanuel, as it stands right now, is your second best offensive lineman, and therefore on my ranking that reflects that. That's fair. And I think sure. offensive line is how you win football games in college football, and so I think they're important. Dean is is Meech the most is Meech the most uh, impactful guy, or is he the guy that? you think is the best in like a playoff game? Like, is he going to be the X factor that'll actually give you an edge? Is he going to stalemate or win those reps more often than not more than other offensive linemen you have? And if he's not, is he going to do it at least higher than the guy behind him significantly considerably? So are you saying where is his wins above replacement? Yeah. I, I think he is extremely re- to advance the conversation, I think he might be the most replaceable projected starter if you're projecting to start. Like, you could put in Casey Roddick. Would there be a huge discrepancy? You could put in Darius Washington. Would there be a huge drop? I expect Casey Roddick to start as well. So, I just, Like, he's he's a he's a good – he's a he's a replacement-level guard. And I think the offensive line has gotten to the point where – I think that's what Dane's getting at. Is like, I think right. the offensive line has gotten to the point where – a replacement level guard is is fine, but you can do better than that. Now. Replacement level guard is in the top forty at least, but he's not eight. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're, we're calling. Him do, do we really level think now? so? Twenty four, twenty four, twenty three. So four out of seven of us didn't rank him as a starting player. Honestly, surely okay. a replaceable guard should be higher ranked than a you know, than a wide receiver, you know, a, a second string wide receiver or a second string linebacker. Right. So if there are only 22 positions to fill on the team, four out of seven, of you guys said that this guy's not starting. Yeah. I shouldn't have had him at 38. I should have had him higher. I had him as a seventh. He's a seventh offensive lineman. I have ranked because I put a guy who can play tackle well in front of him, Robert Scott. Yeah. And, and, I'm, and too, uh, I, I'm too high on him admittedly, but I, I, th- I think he landed at a, at a place that's reasonable, right? I think guards probably are less important. He's fairly replaceable, but I think we can all agree that he's a starter level guy, right? Yeah. Ooh. And honestly, I think like, I wasn't thinking about the starting five. Well, when I did this, honestly, and I think it's more likely that he starts than not. And I didn't grade him as such. I graded him like, like Darius Washington is going to start in front of him. But I do think Darius Washington deserves where he is as well, which is 23. 
in our composite. Everyone has him in the twenties because he's so versatile and he can be replacement level for sure at literally all five spots. And that's why he's so valuable, but he's do, probably the sixth guy. Do we think Darius is starting at, at tackle? He could, he, and he'd be he, fine. He might, he's had a really good off season. He had a really good end of the last season. Like I, I think that's reasonable. It'd be good. I, I ranked a lot of these guys kind of in this jumbled mix here because I, I don't necessarily, I don't know. And I asked Brendan to find the PFF grades for um, Meech because I think that maybe throwing around the term replacement level is a bit harsh and maybe selling him a bit short. 67.1 uh, was his PFF grade this last year. Replacement level starter 65. So, yeah, yeah I mean, he's, yeah. He, it's he's a borderline. Good. Yeah. And that might not even do him justice. Maybe he is better than that. And he is a veteran guy who has so much experience. Like he, he's probably deserves more credit than being replaceable. But my whole thing is that he doesn't have the ceiling that you want as if you're like a legit contending team. And I think that draws his, I mean, though, pushes like, his value down. I, I just think that a lot of these guys are all kind of the same. They've all got starting upside, but could get passed over. Um, even a Darius, a Darius Washington, a Casey Roddick. I mean, I, I think there's a situation where Casey Roddick doesn't start. Potentially, yeah. yeah I, I, I think that mix there, all those guys are all, you kind of throw them in and they're going to find out who comes out on top. And that's why I tended to rank them all kind of in this similar similar area. Um, I think there's a couple guys that stand out for me, Jeremiah Byers and Bless Harris. Then everybody else is just kind of right there in the same ballpark, in my opinion. Um, and I'm the only fat guy sitting here, so I don't know. <laughs> you are the you are the offensive line guru, so um, <laughs> far from that. But yeah, I, I I think I was just underwhelmed by buyers. I think that when I thought of people that I I thought would be starting game one, he was he was slotted in there, and I just put a lot of importance on this offensive line. I went back recently and watched the weight game. I rewatched the NC State game. And realistically, they were able to shut FSU down with three three defensive linemen. And when teams can do that, it, it makes it really hard on the rest of your offense. And if, if FSU is going to lose football games, it's going to be because their offensive line can't hold up to some of the defensive linemen on the LSUs and Clemsons of the world. And you're going to have trouble moving the ball no matter who you have at skill positions. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had here about the word impactful, though, in that I think it's I think it's realistic that these five guys, whoever ends up starting on the offensive line, could be five of your most impactful players because of how important those positions are just for the success of your football team. Outside of quarterback on offense, there's no five more important positions than the five guys up front. Like you need a high floor at those positions more so than other positions on the field outside of quarterback, probably. Right. So, and I do think Meech for the part of this conversation, we're starting to move on, but like yeah. he does offer a really high floor. Like there's a, a yeah. plain devil's advocate to like why he should be ranked a little higher. Like the, the PFF grades are pretty cool that he had, he didn't have a grade below 56 all season and he didn't have a grade above 72 that he was like here all year, which there's something yeah. said for stability. I think the argument is that the offensive line is getting to a point where you're getting above just being stable. Like you're starting to mm -hmm. get impactful. A couple guys who have NFL caliber upside that you're starting to uh, mix into the offensive line. And, and that's where you ultimately need to be to, to advance the program a little bit and, and contend yeah. for stuff in the, in the postseason. 
So someone someone just said this. This this is an interesting counterpoint to me. So Sam Gordon says a starting spot doesn't mean he's one of the most twenty two most important. Kev, would you lose a lot of sleep if Darius was starting instead of Meech? I wouldn't. I think that's a good point, but I would posit the question outside of Jared Verse, Jordan Travis, maybe one or two of the wide receivers. Who are you losing sleep over if they're gone? To me, there's not a lot of players, and if there are, it's because there's no depth there. So it'd be Tatum Bethune or it'd be Akeem Dent because I don't know what's behind them. Not necessarily they're the best players on the field. So I I think this team is shallow enough, but broad, like it's super shallow, but super deep. Sorry, super wide, but an inch deep kind of deal. Or the opposite. Super deep, but yeah. not very wide. I don't know how to say that. But there's like, not a ton of super high level talent, but there it's a ton of depth. So like right. so, wins and, above replacement is what we're talking about so much of. There's not there's not basically a ton of guys anyone that stand past out. five. Yeah. The am yeah. I losing sleep over their replacement? Not necessarily, right? I was gonna say like between like twenty and twenty and forty, like who it's it's kind of wishy washy. Like like A B ran down the list to catch us up. And he didn't really spend too much time on each individual guy. He didn't really need to. It's fine. Like we're all close enough. Even if we know what these guys are, we know what those guys are. We know where the impacts coming. The, the true impact of this roster is coming in the top 10. And maybe a couple guys are going to trickle in here in the, the the 11 to 15 range, but that's 15 to 40 in years past was guys that you couldn't count on at all. We just talked about a guy ranked in the twenties, we had one guy rank him in 38, one guy rank him at eight. There's a wide variance of opinion on him, but as Brendan said it best, he is a high four player. That's what this team kind of is right now. It's a high four player. And we're going to find out if they've brought <laughs> the kids show. We're going to find out if they've brought enough ceiling impact in this offseason and developing guys um, to see whether they can make a run at this. That's the plan. We're going to find out. But it's exciting to know how how high the floor has gotten for these guys, and it's yeah. reflected in in that thirty to forty range or that twenty five to forty range, because we're talking about guys that realistically could go take a starting spot, and we're talking about some guys who could have big big roles on the football team. So I want to keep it moving here. I want to posit this: I didn't rank this player because <laughs> he doesn't have an approved waiver. I'm going to repeat this for everybody listening. He does not have an approved waiver yet. I didn't feel right ranking him because he might not play. There's a better chance than than not that he does, but I didn't rank him because he doesn't have a waiver. For those who didn't read what Brendan said in his article when he put in there that I didn't rank him because he didn't have a waiver. Get him, boys. People don't read those Get things. Just skim right through the numbers <laughs> and then start arguing is how that typically works. Yeah, yeah I'm he, not here for it, but I want to make sure I say it 12 times in a row so everybody listens. That so, player is Daryl Jackson. He breaks in at number 20. He's would have been much higher had I ranked him, so I feel like mine should have been taken out, but I get it. Um, it kind of is what it is. So let's look at his rankings. Kev ranked him 12th, Brendan 14. I uh, He's ranked 45 for me. I just didn't rank him. Looking probably 45 is zero. By so the, way. the big That's question fair. is, yeah, that was just 45 was the default value. I put, if you didn't put him in the top 40, just to keep people from just disappearing, if they didn't get one vote. Well, I, I want to pose this question, Kev. We, we did a video on Daryl Jackson. 
A lot of people call it a clickbait. We have put a big picture of Chris Jones and the, of, of the Kansas City Chiefs on there and, and talked about Daryl Jackson's ceiling <laughs> as a pro prospect. Good summer. <laughs> Kev, why are you at? Why do you rank Daryl Jackson number twelve? Um. So I was actually I was talking to Bud last weekend. That's Bud deep. was telling me about his new pet statistic about how in order to win national championships, you have to have X amount of first round talent, right? Which is just a roundabout way of saying the most talented teams win national championships. And so he asked me the question, how many players on Florida State's roster currently are first round draft picks? And I think he said the average was like four or five over the past few years. It's seven, I think. Yeah. Is it seven? That's wild. I, I think every team has had at least like seven on the roster. That doesn't that excludes like age, like what year they went, but yeah. And that's that's I mean, that's not necessarily a predictive measure more than it's uh, you know, just a, a fact of statistics. Um so if you look back seven first round picks, who does Florida State have that could potentially be first round picks? Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, you know, buyers if he works out. Uh, Jared Verse, the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, uh, I don't know pa- Patrick Payton, depending on if if he can get to the next level of development. You know, like, and then when you look ar- along the the defensive line, I think Jackson would be my my highest ceiling pick. This kid, six six, he moves well. He's got long arms. If you want to talk about measurables, that's that's the big one, right? How long are your arms? How, Allows you to win that hand fight game. I think he's got all of the the physical tools to blow up this year. And so I kind of gave him a ranking that kind of reflected, hey, I'm not sure where you're going to get out of this guy, but we might look foolish if we don't put him in the top you know, 15, top 10, because I, I do think that there's a chance he goes off and he becomes a household name for, for casual Florida State fans because of just how dominant he could be especially with the amount of the amount of one-on-one blocks he's going to get on the inside with people trying to double Jared verse and Patrick Payton and Braden Fisk and every, and Fabian Lovett all on the inside. Right. Or if you run bear and that kind of thing, you kind of force that. Mm-hmm. And this is Daryl Jackson again at number 20, Brendan, you had him at 14. Yeah. I'm curious. What's the conversation about Jackson around the program as far as through the spring, what, what was the f- kind of some of the feedback? I mean, I think that that's valuable in understanding where the coaches kind of see his ceiling at. From an upside perspective, he's thought of very highly of what he can become. Uh, to, to Kev's point, like that is someone with potential day one upside. That doesn't mean we see it all the time. And, and right. there's concern about the consistency still at this point in the motor and, and whether he's someone that kind of going to realize that potential. But when it is all clicking, like, we saw that practice. It is, it is exceptional. And there's at least one person within the program who, who uh, more or less said that he might be their most talented, like purely talented defensive player on the roster. And that's including Jared verse. Again, Jared verse brings it all the time. Uh, Daryl <laughs> Jackson has to prove that he, he can do that and realize that. Um, and then there's the matter of whether he gets the waiver or not. And we're here in, right. in mid June and, uh, I checked with someone I think last week and and still no word on it, um, which isn't a huge surprise. Uh, I guess when we keep asking about it, maybe it'll magically uh, we'll we'll get to the Disney World a, a few hours early if you keep asking, are we there yet? But uh, yeah, we'll see. Ab, a- a- where 
where would you have, let's say all of a sudden I just got a text message from someone and that's not what's happening. Daryl Jackson's going to get his waiver. Where where would you put him right now if you can read the rule? <laughs> clip it, clip it. I, I think. Uh, all right. So I think he would go. I Not to jump way ahead. I have Braden Fisk at number seven. I think I would replace Fisk with Jackson there. Um, I, so I think that's, that's a good. pretty big variance of him not being ranked the way right. it worked for us to then being seventh. That's not quite Dimitri Emmanuel to thirty-eight to eight, but it's pretty damn close from a what what would happen to Daryl Jackson's ranking. I think strictly from the standpoint of I'm going to, I'm going to value pass rushers, but this team had a had a real inability to stop the run even when they were healthy last year they want to be a two they want to be a a shell defense on the back end and play play umbrella coverages back there and keep everything in front of them and that requires you to stop the run with six guys in the box daryl jackson is the true force against the run and he's a player that can impact that at a greater ability than i feel like uh braden fisk can Braden Fisk is going to bring you more pass rush upside, in my opinion, and going to be able to move around more. But it's truly stopping the run. I think that that Daryl Jackson, his upside of doing that is much higher. And I think he sprinkles enough pass rush ability in, and that's where you start talking about that upside with the NFL ability. It is something he's developing and still learning. He's not to Fisk level yet, in my opinion. But that's an area where this year where I think he could take that next step that the ability to stop the run and the ability to develop that pass rush game is why I would rank him ahead of Fisk. Um, there were, and there were reps. Seven to 10 range. There were reps to the, your point, AB, like in spring last year where, or this past spring where he would, he would chuck a, he, he would chuck an offensive lineman to the side. And while his like arm was separated, he would just grab out with the other arm and grab the running back. And like, that's where that wingspan, like just his sheer yeah. presence yeah. is so, uh, stunning like in in how he can impact a game he's got power he's got twitch he's got length i mean he 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 has an ability to leverage the football and leverage offensive linemen that few on this defensive line have um i know everybody loves josh farmer and i don't want to i don't want to get into the weeds again about all that i think daniel Lyons is the only other player in my opinion that has the type of upside that daryl jackson has because mm-hmm. of kind of the length, the leverage, the athleticism, all of the above. Yeah. If if he hits, if he hits Dane, like where, if he gets exactly like the kind of guy we think he can be, like where would you, where do you think he would be ranked for you, like at the end of the year? Like if you had to redo this list, like yeah, Dean had him at sixteen. He, he'd be the Dean first defensive tackle. He'd be ahead of Lovett because he probably has higher ceiling than Lovett. He does and have you, higher ceiling. Love his wingspan is like he's like a six eleven wingspan or something. It's yeah. absurd. And you and have he has the biggest yeah. hands they've ever. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was really low on Lovett compared to everyone else. But, but yeah, he's yeah. an automatic top 10 guy if he reaches yeah. his upside. Yeah. At a mm-hmm. non premium position. Which is crazy to think. I mean, I, I did anybody else have any reservations about the waiver when they went, when they were ranking him? Was I the only, was I alone in this? A, a little bit. I, I didn't penalize it to the extent okay. you did. Cause like yeah. part of the importance too is like we're talking. I think you argued against yourself to a point, AB, because like part of his importance, like, oh, he is so important if, if, to where if he is available, you have would have him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so no, I, I think that's fair. Value. I think that's fair. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just reran the math. Oh, all right. AB, if you had ranked him at seventh, 
right? So I just moved everybody else down. I put him at seventh. Daryl Jackson, where is he ranked currently? 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20. Yep. He moves from number 20 to number 17. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, so, I thought it would be more. Yeah, yeah, it's really there's such a big gap between where we have the 20s and we have the 10s that he kind of still stays in that range. That's interesting. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, six, who we don't need to say who it is, but number six, their average ranking is basically 10 on the dot, and five, their average ranking is 5.7. That's wild. There's a big, there's, there's clearly tiers, and he's just in the third tier, kind of no matter how you slice it. Yeah. In terms of importance, where we put them. Um, Trey had him at 26. I assume uh, there's some mix of whether or not he gets the waiver in there for Trey. I I think he likes Daryl Jackson. Maybe he takes more of the like soft factors um, about his motor and stuff into into more account. Cause I mean, that, that is a big deal, right? So Mm -hmm. um, that is a concern. All right. Well, let's keep this moving. Because we've got <laughs> we've got we've gone through one player on our countdown and we're 36 37 minutes. minutes. But I think and I'm the meandering one on the podcast. I'm the one who gets us off topic. Nah, we're not off topic, but we're on topic. We're on topic. We're yeah. we're not here talking about Dane's poop and bugs oh and all kinds of other nonsense. You are Dane's Brendan. poop. Let's stop right there. <laughs> Brendan got excited when I said poop. All right, the next player on the list. This one I think is going to be interesting. It might be another 20 minutes of conversation because. Well, it's an offensive lineman, and I'm not so sure he's a starter, but I think some in here are going to think that. Number 19, Robert Scott Jr. Um, Brendan, you have him at 9. I've got him at 26. Dane's got him at 32. Dane, you've got him in Meats territory. I want to hear from you first, Dane, then I'm going to get my thoughts, and then I want to hear from Brendan. Dane, Robert Scott at 32, that feels low. Yeah, I just don't think he's going to start. I mean, and I don't, I'm not putting him ahead of, I'm not putting him ahead of five other guys. Um, okay. Even though I said Darius Washington probably won't start. I mean, I think, I think due to his injury history and I don't know, I feel like talking about that is so like, like pessimistic feeling and it's not fair to him and it's not really fair, but, um, but I, I feel like due to that injury history I've, uh, and how Darius Washington has improved and how he's so versatile and stuff like I almost feel that he would go in at either tackle spot ahead of Robert Scott in some way. Um, although Robert Scott has been so steady, he has been pretty good when he is available. But I don't know. I he's just I worry that he's only uh, regressing while Darius Washington is progressing, and I don't think either of them really start on the outside anyway. So he's at thirty-two. Gonna, thirty-two is still pretty high, but yeah, it is. It's it's replacement level. Um, blessing who? I mean, blessing Darius, blessing Jeremiah Byers. Um, I, I personally think Byers is going to start out there. I, I agree with you, uh, Dean. I, I don't. I think Robert Scott's had enough going on physically that it's going to keep him from starting. We'll see if it continues into the year. Um, I don't feel like I'm saying anything. Anything there that's out of turn. If I am, Brendan, sh- mute me and shut me up. Um, oh, you're good. Rob, Rob Scott, Kev mentioned the NC State game, and he mentioned the weight the weight game, the two. How do you beat Florida State videos? If you haven't seen them, go watch them. Spoiler alert: He did not give Nick Saban or Brian Kelly any great details. I um, didn't. I should have. He did not give away the master plan. Watch the video. <laughs> totally did. 
That's for they missed knowledge. Robert Scott greatly against Wake Forest. Yeah, they did. But they also but missed against Les State. And he played against Myers. NC State and didn't play very well. Um, and he's been fighting a lot. He's battled a lot of injuries in his time. I think it's affected his his athleticism. The argument that was made for Meach being a replacement level player, I think the same thing kind of fits here for Robert Scott, in my opinion. Um, I think you've upgraded your athleticism on the outside. I think you've brought in guys. I think you've developed a guy like Darius Washington, who's going, who was a starter, who's coming off of that injury last year, wasn't really ready when they threw him out there. But he only got better and better as the year went on. Brendan's already said that he's had a good offseason. I think it's I think there's a hell of a competition at this tackle spot. Spoiler alert, Les Harris is the top offensive lineman, in my opinion, on this roster that's ready to play right now. I think Lucas Simmons will be in time, but um so I think Bless is a starter. I think one of these other guys is really gonna push Rob Scott and with the with the some of the stuff he's dealt with physically. I, I just don't see him starting. I can't rank him higher in twenty six if he's not a surefire starter for me. So having said that, you've heard we've heard from the negative Nellies. We've heard from the two naysayers. Brendan, you've got him at nine. Clearly, you think he's starting. Clearly, you think he's one of the top offensive linemen on this roster. T- I mean, tell me about it. Do you want me to be hot takey or do you want me to be more nuanced? I love hot takes. Okay. I'll go with Brendan. You uh, be Brendan so uh, wonderful. You, you do what you do best. Oh, you think I'm pick. a hot take artist? No, no. Oh. You're you're going to spit hot fire. That's what I mean. All right. Does the phrase recency bias mean anything to you guys? Oh, <laughs> go ahead. No, what does it mean? Who muted Dane for me? I didn't do that. <laughs> I did it myself. I unmuted myself to. Sorry. Anyway, go. I couldn't resist. Uh, the the last time we've seen Robert Scott was him hobbling towards the end of last season and, and coming off of uh, a procedure this off season. So I understand the skepticism. And I will get to like my more balanced, nuanced thoughts of this. But I have him at nine because he is a three-year starter at offensive tackle, a two-year starter at left tackle, the second most premium position of premium positions outside of quarterback. Like, And he has proven, when healthy, to be a competent left tackle. And by the way, he has the frame to where if you had to, you can move him into guard. He could probably play guard more effectively than he could play tackle. So I'm not going to discredit in, in – just throw away like as a as afterthought a guy who has 800 career snaps starting at tackle and has been a second team all ACC selection like I just I know what he was at the end of last season I know what the injury history is I do think it's legitimate to have uh, concerns about how he responds from two years of the same injury hindering his play however when he is healthy and available like I, I think that's part of what important is to me is like what your upside is what you being available and at your full potential means to the team and for robert scott like it it, having that for fsu means it opens up a world of other options with the rest of the depth as well and he's capable of getting there too and i I think that's part of why i value him at at so highly at nine is because when he is there he he is an extremely important piece for you an extremely capable competent one at a premium position that being said uh my tier three has guys from seven to 23 range and Darius Washington and bless Harris and Robert Scott are all on it. So you can move them all around and I'm not going to have a a big problem with it. If I'm being totally honest with you, I very much disagree with you about one of those names, but Mm, (laughs) I guess I was about to say, 
Which You're one? Saying, bless Harris. Yeah. Oh. Again, recency bias. He was awesome in the final two weeks of the spring. It was two weeks of the spring. I'm high on Bless Harris too. I am. He's played one game at the FBS level. He did not play particularly well in that one game, and it was against FCS competition. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. You're gonna have to pull the brakes on that now. Okay. Yeah. He played pretty good. He wasn't great in the run game, and we said at the time that physically he needed to get his upper body strength together. And he, and build he wise, good. build wise in the spring, it was crystal clear that he developed his upper body. This, you know, in the missed time. You want to know what uh, the PFF game was against Duquesne? You want to know? I don't care about. Uh, yeah, we're talking there's, about. There is one person on this roster that can block Jared Verse and Patrick Payton. Darius Washington can too. I've seen it. I saw it happen in the spring consistently. If he gets lucky and they trip on him. As they I, run by, all him. right. Let's pull up the spring game and rewatch it right now because I saw Darius handle. No, that's Darius that's harsh. Darius, Darius probably might be your uh, second. Let, let's put it this way: I've not seen anybody block Darius Washington in a game or block Jared Verson in a game setting the way Bless Harris did in the spring game, one on one, every rep. Yeah, I I'm getting baited into this a little bit. Bless Harris was really good at the end of the spring. I don't want to dismiss that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, and I think that, I, I I think we all agree that he's got a really good shot to be a really good offensive tackle for them this year. There is some proven nature to his game. Some of us are going to rank it, rank him as though he's already proven it. Some of us are going to rank him as though he still needs to. I think that every, both of us are fair in that conversation. Yes, Ricardo. Happy birthday, my man. Happy birthday, Ricardo. Happy, happy birthday, Ricardo. Show up in hey, here. You get happy birthdays. And I know we want to move on in a second here, yeah. but a quick thought. If we ever considered if Robert Scott can snap the football, it'd be a big dude inside with maybe yeah, your fourth string center. Let's rank him at nine. The, I don't think he has a lateral lateral agility to play center. Only one way to find out is snapping yeah. important to you. That's number one. Yeah, I do. I do really hope that they have someone else that can consistently snap it. If not for pushing Mo, um, that. That seemed necessary. I, I would love to see. I mean, I would love to see Darius Washington in there before Robert Scott. But hey, I'm not opposed to anything. I mean, you got to continue to develop competition and figure it out. So they've got they've got a really good problem. They've got a lot of guys we're talking about that have played a lot of snaps and could be starters, and they're going to battle and, and compete in fall camp and figure it out. And that's a really good thing. So, yeah, I want to keep it moving here because we're at 46 minutes and we're like <laughs> our third flipping player. So my wife, yeah. it's going to be a quick one. Not so much. Good show. Next player, Tatum Bethune. I don't think this has got to be a big conversation. Everybody's – the the low man is 13, the high man's 21. He's a starting linebacker, correct? Yep. Yep. There's a, is there no question about that? Brendan, you gave him a, a ranking of 21. Is it because you don't value the position of linebacker or you're just not sure his ceiling? I think it's because DJ Lundy was so solid last year as a backup that like the, the drop off from, and we also saw Tatum Bethune not healthy for half the year or probably two thirds of the year. Um, so I guess a healthy Tatum Bethune we saw against LSU, like is a bit of a game changer for you. But um, I just think there's like a cap to what Tatum is. Uh, whereas I have Kalen to low tires of, of, of the upside. Um, but yeah, he's a starter to me. He's just, yeah. uh, I think you now have at least one guy behind him who can replace him adequately for long duration of the time, which is it dilutes some of the value to an extent. 
Kev, you rank him 15, and then Dane, follow up on any opinions you have. Kev, why 15? Give us some quick thoughts. And then, like I said, Dane, give, give us a couple little points if you have any. No, I think Brendan covered it. He's a solid player. He's your, you know, de facto starting linebacker. Uh, depends on how the linebacker is a big question for me because they went with a nickel almost exclusively last year, but in the spring they played a lot with Omar Graham at nickel. And so are the, how are they going to handle that position? Are they going to play with a true nickel a lot? Are they going to try to play with three linebackers? That's a big question on how you rank linebackers in that whole discussion. But as it stands now, there's no doubt that he's going to be on the field on the first snap of the game if he's healthy. And I think his ranking shows that he's a high floor guy that's going to give you good reps. Yeah. And it's not, I think we have him that high too. Like Brendan was saying that there's some decent depth behind him. I kind of push back on that a little bit. You're not spectacularly deep at linebacker. I mean, there's a reason why we kept talking about, you know, maybe them going after a transfer portal guy there, but um, it's also not an especially important position. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I tend to agree. I, he's a starter for me. He's a another high floor player, in my opinion. But linebacker's been so devalued in football that I don't. Hey, Fred, how you doing from Albania? Is that Alabama? I don't. I don't. I'm not smart. Um, <laughs> One's more like Khalil. No, we haven't pissed anybody off yet. But we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll get there. Um, I've only gone through three guys, so maybe. <laughs> All right, we're gonna keep it moving though. Uh, the next up is number, oh, nope, wrong one. Let me do, 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 do. Ooh, we got do. someone in from Albania. That's pretty yeah. cool. Oh, the closest thing to Albania we have here is Albany, Georgia. So welcome, Fred. Number Very 17 similar. is going to be Akeem Dent. I'm going to pull this up here for you guys. Brendan, you were the low man at 20. Yeah. Dane, you were high at 13. Dane, I want you to go first. Why? number 13 for Akeem Dent because he's your most proven safety and you don't really have any proven depth behind him um I like him and Shaheem Brown are both uh, gonna be higher on this list than maybe they even should be because you have such shaky depth of that position but Akeem Dent is your veteran guy he's the guy with the undoubtedly the highest floor for sure in that room so I think he should be where he is <laughs> That's pretty good. Char- Charleston <laughs> Knowles on one tonight. He's on fire in the chat. Um, <laughs> oh, he's I, I'm going to say I ranked him at 17. I, I've really thought about ranking him low 20s. Yes, he's a starter, and that's the only reason I didn't rank him down there. His impact is not not a great one. It's been very negative. Um, Clemson picked on him last year. We've heard Adam Fuller really kind of go out the safety position uh, in the spring. Um, you know, Dent battled a he he had an injury in the in the uh, bowl game last year that 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 cost him some time or was it in the bowl game or in the year in Florida, against Florida? I, I think remember. it was against. I mean, definitely against Florida. He lost. Yeah, and, he and missed time. the bowl game, right? Yeah, I think he did because he tried to go and did yeah. something on special teams. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, a lot of safeties miss time at the end of the year. Something that yeah. uh. uh People who are uh, Adam, Adam, anti-Adam Fuller uh, contingent 
likes to dismiss when talking about the Oklahoma game, but I, I digress. That's another comment. And Florida. And there's Florida. been a, there's been a lot of hot and cold to his game, which concerns me about yeah. the consistency in which he plays, yeah. which is why I consider pushing him down, but I couldn't because he is a starter. Kev, you ranked him at 14. And then Brendan, quick follow-up on why you ranked him at 20 as we try to push through these guys. Kev, why 14, then Brendan, why 20? Yeah, I could see going a little bit higher. Um, I guess I'm not the highest, but just to Dane's point that the safety is just the biggest question mark position. He's really the only known quantity you have there uh, that gives him extra leeway. I don't I don't think he's the 14th best player on this roster, but I think the the lack of depth at safety makes him more important than than his pure skill skill level. I I have the exact same logic. I just I think I valued that not being a premium position, like if you have to, you could probably move a cornerback back there and get similar results. But yeah, the, the lack of proven commodities at safety. Um, I mean, 20 is one of the lower end starters and that's kind of where I'm at right now. It, it's yeah. too bad. Like he was great last spring in the 2022 spring. He was, he ended that 2022 season on a really, or 2021 season on a really high note. And then that, that 2022 spring was like, look like it was coming together for him and it kind of had some injuries and it just never really happened last year. So it's there. It just, we're talking about him in what year five now. It kind of, I, I feel like to this point, it kind of yeah. is what it is for the most part. Yeah. I think we're all on the same page. Maybe not a great, maybe not a high level player, but there's something to be said for the fact that he's going to be a starter and that position's an issue and it's, going to remain an issue for them because they weren't able to go out and get anybody in the transfer portal. Obviously, we're not done yet after the season. We'll see what happens, but we've got some top five talk. Okay, Sam. All right. I don't want to the chat. I need you to. But Khalil's, Khalil's comment at 910 had me chuckle. Oh, what? That my, oh, that is valuable because safety is so thin. If my aunt was a man, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving forward, another safety, number 16, Shaheem Brown. Variants here. Wow. Yeah, some big time. Me and Kev, the highest, Kev at seven, me at nine, and then Chris Nee at 22, Zach and Trey at 20. I feel like the variance is with those guys, though. So yeah, I, I would, Dirty Dan and I are kind of splitting the difference between yeah, 14 you guys. and 15. Go on, AB. Why do you have them so high? And Kev, I'm in two, I guess, because you guys are. I, I have him at nine because because he's a starter, and I and I feel like as opposed to Akeem Dent, Brown's got legit upside. Um, yeah. So maybe I'm. I, mean, I, I think I'm taking an upside play here with him. Uh, that he that he's going to kind of find that potential, but at the same time, I, there is some concern. I mean, again, Adam Fuller was blasting these safeties in, in the spring. Is that recency bias? We'll see. You know what uh, that I means. I didn't let it sink in for me with a player like Shaheen Brown, but did with others. Um, so that's a little bias on my own. I did. I did go with the upside because I do think Shaheen Brown's got legitimate upside. Um, and I thought he played good when he knew where to be last year at the end of the season. Uh, he got thrown in there, and you know, obviously wasn't ready um, to be a full time player and to play all the reps that he had to play. Uh, when when they had some guys get dinged up, but I thought he played well when he knew where he was supposed to be. Blew a couple coverages against Florida that that really kind of cost them, um, and, and resulted in some big chunk plays 
Kev, you've got him at seven. I mean, are we on the same page? Yeah, I think I think when you're listing out guys that could be day one, day two guys down the road, he's one of those that stands out as having the frame to build on to get there. Um, that you see the NFL is going more and more to this Kyle Hamilton type guy who's six foot three, can play in the slot, and you kind of move him around. And I, I think he could be that body, be that person. Uh, by all accounts, when he came in, he was a really raw player. And you've seen him kind of take a step up every year he's been here. And so I'm just kind of mapping that trajectory out onto him in a position that you're really thin in. So you, so even if he doesn't pan out, it, it's going to be important if he's not good because <laughs> yeah. you need him to be good. You need, yeah. you need to replace some of that Jamie Robinson that you're losing. I want to know too, like in some of these recruiting updates that have been posted on most 24 seven guys are mentioning Shaheen Brown. And I think that that's important because they're continuing to look for leadership and guys to step up in leadership roles. The fact that people are mentioning Shaheen Brown, I think speaks volumes that he's perhaps taking it serious and taking, taking his job and his role in this, in this program and on his team for this season serious. So it could show a, a level of maturity that he's taking that next step. We're going to find out. Brennan, 15, Dane, 14, just similar to Akeem Dent? Yeah, I mean, there's more upside. So I, I see where you guys are going with that, of like what he could be. And I think even that like as a blitzer, or as like a malleable dime linebacker, where you can move him around and, and allow the imagination to expand a little bit with Shaheen Brown more than you can with Akeem Dent. Uh, because Chris, Trey, and Zach aren't here right now, they can't defend or explain where they're coming from. I mean, they have him at 2022. 20, I think they're just saying he's probably like the least proven starter, the one they feel least comfy about right now. Right. So I think that's kind of where they're coming from. Uh, if I had to, to speak for them and guess, which like Shaheen did not light the world on fire in the spring. Right. Dan, you, we were there like how impact, he, he wasn't anywhere near as impactful as I thought he, he could have been. Uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I I think he flashed for sure. And he's someone that when he flashes, you really take notice because like Kev saying, he's someone with a ceiling that is significant. And that's why he is like, why Kevin and I be have him so high as they're explaining. And honestly, I, I really agree more with them than like what uh, Trey and Zach and Chris would be like, I saw that Kev had him at seven and I was happy to see that because I thought he kind of deserved that. He's someone with so much variance to him and that's something that should be valued here. Like something that I've kind of harped on is, is the guys that'll make the most impact um, like in those massive games, the guys have that, that have the potential to do that, to if this, that have that ceiling. And he is someone that has that. Would, is it fair to say, Dan, if this was like a wild card list, like I think he's probably like your top five. He, I think he's number one. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. That's a great. I mean, uh, yeah. But no, I mean, I think the the variance, what he can do, what he opens yeah. up for you, if you hit on yeah. him, him, Daryl Jackson, those are some names that like. There, come there's to some mind. like there's some like low lower level Derwin James vibes with a player like Shaheen Brown, a guy that just not saying he's Derwin James, a poor man. Derwin think he's Derwin James and Daryl Jackson. A guy that can go the out there and do a lot of stuff on the football field for yeah, you from the safety position. This defense has Derwin James on the back end. It's got Chris uh, or, Chan- or Chris Jones <laughs> at defense tackle. Group, good. Group. If they fail, it's Adam Fuller's fault. Kev, I want you to comment on this. 
uh, from Khalil. Dent actually breaks on the ball very well. Problem is, I think the way they play the safeties back so much, there aren't many opportunities for him to do that as much. Do you have any thoughts on that, Kev? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, they did play a lot more. So it, it's it's such gray area, right? You can call it cover two man, but because they switch, it kind of turns into man match cover four type things. But yeah, they played a lot of two safeties back. Those two safeties were awfully conservative. I actually think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive with their safeties this year just because Renardo Green took such a big step up by the end of the year, and now you have Fentrell Cypress to lean on, and I think you feel a little bit more comfortable with what you have at nickel, potentially with how good Greedy Vance looked this spring. They were just I think they were just scared to leave those corners on an island last year, and um I, th- I think they're going to be allowed to be a little bit more aggressive. I'm actually looking at this right now. According to PFF, which doesn't, you know, you can't, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But I mean, Shaheem Brown is rated as the second best pass rusher on this team. Um, and that kind of shows hmm. what we're talking about his length and his athleticism when he's allowed to be in a box, like this guy's saying, when he's allowed to come up and make an impact closer to the line of scrimmage, can be significant. And hopefully, hopefully you can trust that Renardo Green and Fintrell Cypress can hold things down well enough that you can start being a little bit more aggressive and play with those safeties a little bit more. I, I think I found, I, I can't find it right now, but during the offseason, Kev, I found a metric that showed that Shaheen Brown, I think might have been first nationally in pass rush win rate among all safeties. How many? Very small sample size. I was going to say, is that like eight rush attempts or something? It wasn't many, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Dane, but like, yeah, like it was, it was a small sample size, but it does point to like that being a, a skill yeah. set to build on. But... 12 pass rushes and five hurries. <laughs> that's that's good. It is a small yeah. sample size, but it is pretty impressive. Khalil, I'm not as much about him playing safety. I do think he's a guy that you can maybe get there in there at nickel. And I think he's a guy they're going to need to develop and get on the field. Um, yeah. Physically, he's one of the better, better prospects they've got. They've got to get it out of him. No, he could be such job. a good nickel. I don't. I don't know yeah. if that's where that, that's Azari Thomas for those that are listening on the pod. I apologize. Not great hosting there. We're going to keep it moving forward though. That was a little sidebar, but I thought it was a good conversation for kind of where we're at. Number fifteen, Ventrell Cypress. Deuce. Um, he does oh, not go by Deuce anymore. He goes by Ventrell. Ventrell Cypress the second. Brendan, slap slap. You're in timeout for a minute. We're all over the place on this one, and it shocked me. Um, Kev had him at 21. Me and Chris Nee were the high, high, high men at, at number eight. Kev, he was an all conference player last year at, at the University of Virginia, rated pretty highly as far as all the rating systems go. How did you land at 21? Uh, I don't, I don't trust people, I've got a trust issue. <laughs> Becomes there. Let's turn this. This is an hour. Let's make it three. Yeah, um, we are paid by the hour. Too. I just, I don't know. I, I don't care what recruiting rankings say. I don't care what some guy that watched a few Virginia games said. He didn't look good this spring. Um, I, I do think that as far as it goes, he wasn't put in a great position to succeed. Um, I think I'm just a little bit worried that cornerback is a very high variance position 
a great cornerback can get six interceptions one year and one interception the next just because guys aren't throwing it at them. You know, like there's only so much you can do. So it makes me like hesitant to quit to like really just wholeheartedly trust these numbers. And like he got a high ranking because he got a lot of interceptions. He didn't get a high ranking necessarily because, you know, he was the number one shutdown corner. That being said, I think he's going to come along. I think he's going to, they're going to find a place for him to be successful because clearly he has been successful in the past. I think he's probably going to start, but I don't think that he's your best corner on the, on the roster currently. I, I think there's something to be said for looking at the way the rankings are distributed here with Kev, myself and Dane being the three lowest on him and Zach, not far behind either. I would say us four from a concentrated standpoint of sitting there watching practice and taking the most notes probably the most in depth compared to the other guys who are higher on him and, and Chris uh, being the outlier a little bit there, but um, there's a discrepancy between his, his, I think recruiting rankings as a transfer and then what we saw in the spring. And I don't think he was bad by any means in the spring. I thought he was fine uh, and actually got better as it went on. And I thought it was good by the end of it. Um, I just, I thought Jarian Jones and Rado green were the two best outside cornerbacks that you had. Yeah, I think he, he came in and you expected based on what you're talking about, like the transfer portal rankings and how how good he I mean he was really good at Virginia. Like he I don't think it was just interceptions. Um He didn't ha- he didn't have an interception last year. He had, he had, just had one in three years, just to be honest. Ended, but is what he did. Yeah. Okay, then strike what I said. Um <laughs> But but you he came in with this expectation. Um where you thought maybe he was going to be able to lock down a side of the field, and then he wasn't. He didn't really stick out at all in the room, or didn't stick out much. And he wasn't. He definitely wasn't your best in the spring. I thought Renato Green was easily your best, or I mean, Jerry and Jones really good too. Mario was really good but, too. Yeah, yeah lovable. He definitely was. And, and like not sticking out isn't necessarily the worst thing for a new cornerback too. Like he didn't get picked on. Like it wasn't like this. You didn't throw him out there and say this is a liability. I just his ranking. I think in the transfer portal was a ninety-five which is a really high grade. He was a top five player. I, I don't know if he's going to have that level of impact, but he is going to help you out. Like, And so I think it's kind of a recalibration, at least based on the small sample size of the spring of, of what I think he's going to be, which is a top three corner for you. Someone who brings stability to the room is going to handle things professionally. Uh, could still be very good for you, but I just I don't think maybe that the the upside is quite as high as I, I thought it was going into the, the spring. I ranked him highly because I mean I didn't get to see him. You guys got to see him, but I took the conversations that we had about him as a player. I did watch quite a bit of his tape from last year. I think that the spring was a transition for him and that you're coming in le- learning new technique under a brand new coach. Mm-hmm. Granted, all of them are, but the system's the same for these guys. He's stepping into a new system, so he's learning a new system, new technique. Because no matter every coach teaches things differently, so Patrick Sertan is teaching him things that he wasn't learning at Virginia. A new scheme, new technique. I think that there's a bit of a transition there for him, as is for most of these guys that step in as transfer transfers. I'm fairly confident he's going to be a starter, just in my opinion, um, on the outside next to or with Renardo Green Jr. I think he finds his footing, but I think it's fair to say that. You guys did 
see him quite a bit this spring, and there was some um, there was a lack of lack of the potential upside that many thought that there was going to be. Now, Brendan, you played a role in rankings, or you just were part of the as far as the portal stuff. What what? Uh, no, so I'll do more coverage stuff. They'll ask me my thoughts okay. on Florida okay. State guys, okay. uh, and I'll help out like if there's someone who's not ranked, say, hey, we should probably yeah. take a look at this guy. Okay. Uh, at this point, at least, is, is what it is. Um, I didn't want to be wrong about that, but I knew that you were helping out, so I was curious if you gave an opinion on his ranking. I mean, yeah, they, it's interesting they, that he was a 95, and now we're thinking, well, maybe that was a little aggressive. I, I got Daryl Jackson bumped up a point, which I'm proud of. Right, Dan? We fought the good fight there. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, he did. But yeah, we got a hey, I got a point. Um, yeah, with 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 Fentrell, I think again ninety five is where he was. His grade was. I made him a, a top five guy. If I had to, just based on the spring sample set, like probably like a 92, 93. Like not again, we're not talking about this like huge drop off. I think just from a difference of being a borderline elite player to yeah. a, a good starter, above average starter. I think that's kind of the, the recalibration. But I think your point's legit, AB. Like. This is a new scheme, new technique. They talk about moving him around and trying him at some different spots too. I'm not speaking on a turn there. Like he did some nickels. So like this could be a really big offseason where it all kind of clicks for him with yeah. a, a few more months to learn this, this stuff. They ask a lot of their guys in the springtime. Yeah. Um, Intentionally. And, and, they throw a lot on them. Right. To, it could be difficult as a new player walking in here. It could mm-hmm. be difficult even for guys that are been here um, for them to step in and potentially play at their highest level. So I'm curious to see where he does kind of slot in as a year goes on. If, I, if, if anything, AB, they, they treat transfers with more uh, more tenacity. They put mm-hmm. more on them than, than they yeah. will on returners because they want to, one, expedite the process of seeing who you are, get you adjusted mm-hmm. to it. And two, they know they can. You can't yeah. leave again. Right. And so like that is a thing that they do intentionally. They they want to make you as uncomfortable as they can to find out what they've got. And they've got a good idea when they get you in here, but then they've got you in here. They've got you locked in. I know this was something that they really wanted to do with. Was it blessed last year? They or no with um. Kaden uh, Lyles. Turnitine. They, no, Turnitine. They, 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 he was they, a player who came in late, but it was like, look, we got you. Balls of the wall here. Um, oh, good show, Atkins. Yeah is the main proponent of like, we are going to make life very difficult for our transfers. And and uh, someone described Alex Atkins as everything he does is a test. Like he tests people constantly and he's, he's fascinated to see how the response is. And yeah, no one gets tested more by him though, than, than his players probably. I'm so, here for it. I think part of my hesitation comes from this. Um, it's such a small sample size position (laughs) and in 2021 like i don't want to put so much faith in pff but i can't watch every game of him so i have to trust them on some level to make broad statements his coverage gate was a 52 in 2021 and then it jumps up to an 87 so either something really clicked or he had an outlier low season and then kind of a little bit of an outlier high season I'd be curious to see where that settles on this year. I knew someone mentioning the Eagles in the, uh, yeah. in the comments. Yeah, Nam was severely overrated in the NFL. They're, they're on that team, those Eagles, the, the dream the team. dream team, well, that's Vince Young's big mouth. We're not going to relive that. We're going to keep it moving. 
Sorry, Kev, you made a great point. I want to keep it moving though, because we're in an hour and eleven minutes. And oh my god, <laughs> the next one up, this one's going to be here. We're going to be. Oh now, no, we've got the two nitwits here to debate <laughs> this. Jeremiah Byers at number fourteen. Kev, you've got him at thirty-two. Dane, you've got him at seven. Trey had him at three. Three. Chris and I. Chris and I. Chris, and I, Chris Zach, and I, and Brendan were in the in kind of the teens range. Um, Kev, 32, what the hell? Um, if you didn't know his ranking going into that spring, would he be ranked in your top 10? If you hadn't been told that Ohio State and whoever else was going after him in the transfer portal based off what you saw in the spring, would he be a top 10 player? I'm going to... I'm gonna answer that, and then I need you to let me like add on to it because go for it. That's that's you all. Like, I'm you got to answer the question, you know. Um, no, no, but he was good, and I do think he's gonna be a starter for sure. But I think it should factor in that Ohio State wanted him, and the other good school that you mentioned, whoever it was. I mean, I know a lot of schools wanted him out of the transfer portal um, when he was in there, and I think three years or whatever at UTEP of really good play where when he hits the portal, those top tier schools, a school like Ohio state who had two, you know, high level tackles go. And so they wanted to replace him with him, place them with him. Like that should probably hold more weight than his first spring with his new school. You know, I think that's fair to say. All right. Before anybody else speaks, finish chewing your pizza. I'm going to give a second's worth of thoughts. And then I want to hear from Brendan, who was the other low man at 19. I'm surprised by that. I, I didn't I didn't rank Jeremiah Byers in my top 10, but I do think he's a starter, and I do think he's going to be a starter at right tackle. The athletic profile is there. It's very similar to how I rank Shaheen Brown. The upside is there enough for me to want to be aggressive with his ranking because I think he has the potential to be your offensive best offensive lineman at some point this year. And I think that that is very impactful. I I was at 11 with him because I do think there's some downside that it's going to take him some time to get up to speed. Brendan, you had him at 19. You, you gobbled that pizza quickly. It's all out of there. You had a, oh, <laughs> hello. Why 19? That feels low because you've been really high on him. Yeah, and I'm... <laughs> Not not great radio here. I'm looking back at my initial rankings, and I had him at 13 initially. So I'm not sure why I moved him down a little bit uh, based on my tier system. He was all kind of jumbled up with Bless Harris and Darius Washington and, and Robert Scott as capable starting tackles. Um, I think with Jeremiah, his upside is legitimate like in the top 10. So I don't have any issue with, with Dane or Zach or Trey putting them up there. Um, I think Kev is really low at, at 32. He did struggle against Patrick Payton. Uh, there was the, – he had issues with, with the fastball sometimes, and that was, was obvious. But his good moments were, I thought, the best of anyone on the offensive line. It looked different than anything they've had in recent years with the, the foot speed and the arm length. Even though he's only six foot four, he – he plays as a, as a big bodied and wide armed uh, potential tackle with the frame to mm-hmm. possibly move 
to guard and be a really good guard as well. Uh, he was a good player at UTEP, and so you know there's like baseline of competency there. There's a reason why Chris Nee loves him. I'm surprised that Chris wasn't higher on him. Uh, a little news to report here. I actually confirmed that that Chris and Jeremiah Byers were in the same room the other day, so the restraining order has been lifted apparently. We, we were at uh, a, a food joint after elite camp, and we saw him there, and uh, yeah, everything was fine. Chris didn't get was arrested. It, was it awkward? I think he just snitched on Chris is what happened. Oh, well, you know. Shouldn't have been in the same place then. <laughs> His action of so, that soda. So, Kev, so Kev your, your whole argument is you didn't love what you saw from him this spring. I didn't love what I saw from the spring. Also, I mean, he wasn't graded well against Power 5 competition last year. I mean, against Oklahoma, graded at 56. Against Boise State, graded at 54. So, like... Boise State wasn't even. Oh, sorry, yeah. I was gonna say they aren't even good, but yeah. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's, it's again small sample size, and we're trusting PFF, which I don't necessarily want to trust. Yeah. But there's to me every time a guy goes up a level, I'm gonna have natural skepticism, and I think the skepticism that we have for, you know, bless Harris or for Dimitri Emmanuel naturally coming from lower level programs to to fsu we should have for jeremiah byers i think there's going to be a learning curve and i think that he's going to have to kind of get his feet under him because what i what i saw in the spring was a guy that yeah clearly had talent but is also in a position along the line where he's not needed to be thrown in the fire like shaheem brown is so do i think that he's going to be i'm not sold that he's going to start against lsu i'm not sold I'm not sold on that. Um, Kev, I, I was just, you said that it was really interesting. Uh, Jeremiah Byers feels like someone who m- may not start for the first month of the season against Clemson and LSU mm-hmm. by the end of the year could end up being in the starting lineup. If he makes that transition, it might end up being one of the more important guys. It just may be kind of a slow burn. But if he misses your two most important games of the year, does that impact his impact? Yeah. Yeah, it does. But they have options at tackle now, so they can yeah. afford to see, like, is he someone we can throw out there and trust in right. what will be two really crucial games early in his Power 5 career? I think I think Kev swayed me a little bit. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he just balls out, to be honest with you. I, I'm a, I agree with you guys that he is a very similar thing to Shaheem Brown. We're like, man, this guy could go off and be a first-round pick, and I would look so stupid right now. But, like, they don't need to throw him out there like they do with Shaheem. Uh, I went more aggressive because of the upside. I also went more aggressive because I trust the hell out of Alex Atkins. Yeah, um, true. And ultimately, they're Alex put, Atkins didn't start him in the spring game. They're going to put him in position. Uh, again, Atkins likes to test yeah. people and especially his transfers. Is that why Casey Roddick started the spring game? Yeah, Casey's a, a year or two older than Jeremiah is as well. and. Yeah, a little, a little different, but and Demetri Emanuel didn't practice most of the spring, right. so not not apples to apples. But I do, I, I, do I just I I trust Alex Atkins to get guys ready. I think he's, I think he's your second most talented offensive lineman. I I don't think he's a better player than Bless Harris personally. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe Jeremiah snapped the ball. 
<laughs> I, mean, I think some suckers that can snap. I think to be fair, probably the closest comparison to me would be um would be Daryl Jackson in the sense that I think they could be very, very good players. I still have some questions about mm-hmm. where they're at and like the the developing that floor. But if they can, they can be very good players. And I, I think if I was going to be more realistic, I'd put both of them in the like 20-ish, like 15 to 20-ish range, um, which is where they ended up. So I think it all worked out. Dane, are you making an X-Factor list for later in the offseason? Yeah, I I was going to post that after we finished this top 40 thing. But yeah, um, I mean, I, who are we talking about? Oh, Jeremiah Byers. I was about to say that yeah, Dan and I very similarly, and then I want to now step back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was making that especially because of guys like Shaheem Brown, who I was saying is like the number one wild card. But yeah, I mean, uh, Kev, you just like finish what you're saying with where you realistically should have put those guys. And I was going to say, <laughs> I would just pull up my screen as everyone saw me get much more pale um, and see where you had Daryl Jackson and you had him at 12. And so I was going to say, like, you think of a more valuable position than defensive tackle, a guy that compares so much to Daryl Jackson, why would you have him 20 spots lower? But I, th- I think that's a good question. I think too. I was low on him to, because I knew everybody else was so high on him, to be honest. I think I have <laughs> a very strong <laughs> devil's advocate streak in me. This has um, been a very therapeutic hour. Yes, it has. Wow. <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> oh, Kev. Number 13, Kalen Deloach. I don't think there's a lot to say here. Oh, we got the high and the low right here. I've got him at 18 because I've got a bias that I don't value the linebacker position. I think he's your best (laughs) linebacker. I think he's a a really good football player. I think he's got an NFL future. I don't think he fits the run great all the time, and I don't think he triggers and strikes the ball great all the time, but I think he's a – I still think he's a good player. I just don't value linebacker that much especially with the guys that they've got in front of him now. I think those guys are going to be doing a lot of dirty work for him. That That's why, for me, as a true impact, I've got him at 18. I like him as a football player, though, higher than the 18th best player on this team. But that's not what this ranking necessarily is. So that's why I've got him there. Dane, give us quick thoughts. I want to, I want to keep this moving so we're not here for an hour, two hours. Quick thoughts on quick thoughts on Kalen Deloach, and we're going to keep it moving. Yeah, I figured I'd be the top guy on this. I was kind of hoping to be. Um, but so he is your your best linebacker above replacement for sure. I think he's the highest ceiling um, of guys who aren't entirely unproven, like a Blake Nicholson. And you don't have spectacular depth behind Kalen Deloach. Um, so those things factor in a lot. And I think he's a guy that's considered like a leader on the defense, on the defense, like on the field too. And that should be valued a little. Um, but yeah, I think if he were to go down, if you didn't have him, that would that would matter a lot because you don't really have depth behind the two guys that are going to be there, which would be DJ Lundy and um, Tatum Bethune. You don't have any proven depth behind them, and those guys aren't as good as Deloach in the first place. You don't have the ceiling. Real quick, I think a uh, commenter, good point here. Um, Sam Gordon says, what would Jaden Daniels do to us with DJ and Tatum as the starting two? And I think I think that points out where Tatum where why I think all of us except for one person had Kalen higher than Tatum. That speed, that ability to go sideline to sideline changes things with athletic quarterbacks. We saw him against Malik Cunningham struggle though. And I and I would point out I would point <laughs> out 
he's an NFL wide receiver right now. Yeah, he ran he ran a four five forty. So yeah, I mean, the, and, and all of that is fair. Um, a freak. <laughs> I think Jaden Daniels is a little bit different caliber athlete as far as a runner, and most linebackers are going to struggle to to spy him. Um, anybody have any last thoughts on Kalen Deloach? I don't mean to be disrespectful to Kalen. Just want to keep this moving. I think we're all pretty safe on what we know we're going to get out of Kalen Deloach for the upcoming season. Yep. Yep. I think we're good. Is snapping important to you? Number 12, Maurice Smith. Brendan just sent me a message in the private chat. He's got points to make. Brendan, <laughs> make the dog on points. You've got him at number seven, but uh, Zach went up to you at number six. Yeah. <laughs> Zach likes snapping more than you. I played center. Trey played center. I don't really like snapping that much. I was a long snapper, and it was important Ooh. to me when I did that. Uh, I am. What? Um, make points. So, I think I was too low. I had him at seven. I think I was too low on Murray Smith. Because when I think of just wins above replacement, if I think about if a player were to get hurt, don't shake your head, Dan, because I'm going to blow your mind with this thought process. Oh, boy. If a player were to get hurt for the entire season, who who would be the most impactful? Jordan Travis, right? Next up, maybe Jared Verse, right? In terms of just like, ah, that that would derail you. Next up, I think third on that is Murray Smith. I don't know if there's anyone on the roster who can do what he does as consistently as what he does. Which is snap the ball at a really high level. And it is important because no one else can do it consistently. Who I else, have, Dane? Who else? I have a really weird the, thing with Maurice the, Smith. The, the only thing you're talking about right now, Brandon, is floor. And it is, it is like the baseline of playing football. Like a guy... <laughs> that's... It's ridiculous that no one else can do it, and that's why it's so important. It's like having a kicker who can't kick, which they didn't have for three games last season, and that cost them. I think this conversation is like talking about how big of a crisis it is that we don't have like a proven punt returner. Like it's a problem you have when you're talking about such a deep team and stuff like that. But imagine not having that proven punt returner for every single snap of the time you have the ball. Yeah, no, I mean that's like having a bad snap you know, like a fumbled snap or something or a snap over the head um, once every three games is, like, bad. That's, like, a sack or worse. All right. Dude, d- I'm you're say... practices. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm exaggerating a little. Once every two games, you, you, that's yeah, terrible. Do you think if someone else – you think if Maurice went out for the entire season, they'd be having one bad snap every three games? I think potentially, man. It's, it's still – okay, Maurice has a 99% chance to get it back there well. The next guy – all right. I'm, oh, I'm no. oh, he was making a good point. Oh, no. He was. He was. But I've got to say something, and then I'm going to let him finish that point. If you are the snapper of the football, as much as people want to talk about the quarterback, if you are the snapper of the football, you have the greatest impact on every play. The greatest. Because if the ball doesn't get back to the spot that it needs to get to, if the quarterback's got to move his eyes to catch the football, it changes everything. Everything. Yep. It changes everything. I just wanted to say that, Dane. Please continue. I, I, you're making a totally fair point. And everything, but I feel like that's the same, or not the same. It's not the same because snapping a football is harder than what I'm about to say. But that's like the teacher calling up the kid to say, "Hey, press the space bar to go to the next slide." You're the most important person here. Because I can't do my lesson if you don't hit that space bar. Imagine that the teacher like, couldn't hit the space bar. Uh, Dane, I, I get your, I get what you're saying completely. 
I do. I do. I, and I I didn't think of I mean, I had him at 15. So I'm not far off from where you ranked him. I had him at 17. Yeah, I think he's important. Yeah. I think he's going to start. He's ahead of like all but two offensive linemen that I have because, yeah, he's probably your center and he can stop the ball most consistently. But when we're talking about ceilings and we're talking about guys that could – that can get it done in the most important games that you're actually really worried about losing. And that'll actually decide what we I, think I, about the season five years from now. Bree Smith probably think, isn't the guy. To I make think, I think that we're playing a game of major, major like extremes. Yes. The, if they can't get this ball back to the quarterback, every play, that's a huge problem. If they couldn't shotgun snap, they would probably go under center and find a way to run an effective offense that way. I think that there's a way to argue that point. Do we really not think that they could teach a Division One athlete how to they snap the ball if they had? They haven't man. found one yet. Do they have? It's been more than a year, and like they have one guy who I think could do it at a borderline competent level, and that's Darius Washington. And the poor dude is learning five different positions. <laughs> Maybe if he spent that time doing only that, like it would probably get better. But probably. he did start against LSU last year. Uh, Maurice did, didn't he? No, oh, I'm sorry. He started against Duquesne. Maurice Duquesne. Maurice did really well. He started against Duquesne. Too. And it's okay. Duquesne. I get that. But he did go in and play a game. David Stickle, yes. I want more David Stickle, Sam Gordon in the chat. I, I, I mean, there was points in 2021 where they had to use nerf balls in practice because they had didn't have enough guys who could snap the ball for the scout team. Like, it, it is not it, it's not this, like, snap of the fingers. Oh, they could just figure it out, like – that's dismissing what we've seen for two full seasons. Now. It becomes like, a big issue. And I agree with you there, Brendan. You said you would put him at like three or four. It, it, in terms of like taking... importance for like what the whole. What... But here's the other. All right. So, so three or four is where you maybe think you should have put him. I, I had him in the tier three at the very be- top of the top tier three. He should have been in tier two, which would put him like in, at six for me. So it's only one difference. But I think. I, I think. I think you could argue, though, to, to counterpoint, yes, he's that significant as far as snapping the football and being being able to get the ball back there. He might single-handedly be one of the biggest issues for them on the goal line, though. Yes. Which you, I, you have to take that into account, right? I mean, you have to weigh the pros and the cons there, the, the goods and the bads. Yeah. If he, he's that much of an issue for you in short yardage because he can't move people straight up, but he's also your best dude snapping, like – there's got to be a, a middle ground, and I think that middle ground's probably in your tier two or in the in the middle teens, low teens. He's twelve. We're at twelve right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's like we're talking about like Dane and I are the furthest apart, and it's ten spots. Like it's really yeah. not a huge yeah. difference. I'm saying I think like I could have undervalued him potentially. If like if we're talking about worst case scenario, it's shocking that my anxiety would be like allowing me to think of like the worst case scenario to the point of like the goal line stuff though, AB. One way for that to get better is for him to get better and bigger and stronger, which like that's allowed to happen, especially we had a more or less a full healthy season last year outside the first two weeks. And I thought that was helpful. And the guys around him getting bigger and stronger and better. And uh, we're talking about that depth getting mm-hmm. better too. So yeah. we'll see. I'm going to be real honest. I thought I was going to be the high man at 15. I <laughs> thought everybody was going to have him in the thirties. I, I, I was shocked when he came in at 12. I have a weird relationship with Murray Smith. Because I agree with you guys. Still therapy. <laughs> um, Continue. I agree with I you guys. I have a weird that... relationship with dad. I mean, Marie Smith. <laughs> I agree with you that he is. It's important to have someone that can snap. And 
PFF seems to think that he's a he's a really good one of our better offensive linemen. I tend to just notice when he gets blown off the ball. And that tends to happen more often than you would like from your center. And so I'm I'm kind of with AB. I don't I don't know if he's like that like snapping is the bare minimum of the position, right? There's a whole other part of the game which is actually blocking somebody. And I'm not sold that he's what you need at that spot, but it seems like everybody else is. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're talking Mason Smith. Who? Mason Mason Smith is going to be a one tech lined up on Murray Smith when they want him to, and they're probably going to want him to a lot. That guy that he's going to be like, well, you could argue that he's such a wild card. Maybe he should. I don't know. But like Brendan, I don't know. Brendan, you're 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 describing your highest floor center as guy who deserves to be in a top five player or something or his seven. I just, I really disagree I guess with that. Snapping the ball is more important to me than he, to you. Maybe. He probably isn't the highest floor guy. Well, I guess that would mean he's the highest floor guy. And we're talking about snapping, but as far as actual player, like, I think yeah, he, he gets comes back the ball to the, a lot. The, the safety argument, like, mm-hmm. kind of similar, like the replacement level behind is is pretty profound. So that will escalate someone's value. I think it's even more so. Like, I just don't, I don't know. Other than maybe like quarterback, if there's a position, I feel more unsteady of the drop off, drop off from one to two on the depth chart than at center. But that probably, that's probably a point more about the depth in the roster than it is that specific position, right? Yeah, but that's I mean we're talking about importance. Like for me, at least, like like replacement level, like that is it's not a premium position, and there is a cap on the upside, so I understand that day. But like there's. You would go from Maurice Smith being an average power five center as your starter to then what if he got hurt? Which he, by a the guy way, he, who, he's missed he, time in each of the last two seasons. So, like, K- Casey Roddick can do things better than Maurice Smith can, and Maurice Smith can do certain things better than Casey Roddick can. It's, Roddick there's new ones to it. Serious, in a series, can he snap it? He can probably snap it well 92% of the time. And I hey. think that's fine. It, it, it only takes one turnover to change the football game. Ninety-two percent isn't a very good like it's. I just well, the guy I, getting I get where you're at. Up on I, third I get, and I get and where you're at. Drives, the, the same thing as a stack or whatever. It's hard to justify anyway. a four a high four player being in the top five, but when it comes to impact, it's not a top player list. It's a guy who impacts the football game the most list, and I think that it's fair to say that the guy, the only guy who can snap the ball well on this football team. His impacts could be felt very greatly if he were to go down. I want to keep it moving here. I thought that was a great conversation, though, and I gotta give you, I gotta give you thumbs up on that point. It's not often Brennan sends a little private chat and says, "I want to make a point," and I'm like, "Oh my!" His whole point was, <laughs> but can he fire? Do you care his, about his snapping? point? Was he's a really good space bar pusher? <laughs> <laughs> Number eleven. I wish Trey was here because I want to know why he has him ranked 17th, but I want to hear from Dane right away. Number 15. Explain yeah, Number 11 player, Braden Fisk. You've got him 15th. That feels really low to me. I don't know why. It might be. I mean, everyone has him really similarly ranked. He's a top 15 player. Like we thought, we said, like, once you get into this kind of range, we're approaching that range where the guys are actually super impactful players. But I mean, he's 15 because you just have so much depth in the interior. And his versatility should give him some extra value. Maybe I didn't, honestly, I didn't account for that quite as much as I should have. I remember submitting my rankings and thinking like, oh man, 
like I had um I had Gilbert Edmond higher. Um, I had him at like 26 or something. And mm-hmm. I thought that is more because of the value as a third defensive end um, and not having proven anyone proven behind him um, and less about how good he is actually as a player. And then I thought after I submitted like, oh man, Braden Fisk potentially could kick out there and do a good job, especially yeah. depending on what you want. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a good player. You just have so much depth there. And a guy like Daryl Jackson has a higher ceiling. I mean, they're different players, but Generally, you have a Fabi guy like Fabian Lovett. Um, I mean, Braden Fisk might not start. And that's something I said when we were doing the initial transfer stuff before the spring that everyone thought I was really stupid for. And when I say everyone, I mean Brendan and Zach. But um, yeah, that could still be true. We didn't even get to see him in the spring. So, like, that stuff should matter a little bit. He's 15. Brendan, I asked you earlier thought, program thoughts on a guy like Fisk, you and I have kind of talked about this uh, on the phone. They, they're pretty excited about him, right? Of what about he can be. Yeah, I think there, yeah. there's legit uh, NFL draft upside here. Uh, what's so exciting is that he's gotten better year over year at Western Michigan. Uh, he has a ton of production and he's someone who I think was like 240 pounds or so out yeah. of high school and he's up to mm-hmm. 300 now. And, there will be a transition, right, to mm-hmm. from group of five to power five. Um, he's coming off of a shoulder injury, so that is noteworthy. We didn't get to see him in the spring. Other than racing Mike Norvell, and it was impressive that he smoked uh, former former D, D2 wide receiver Mike Norvell. But he, he, he did handle uh, coach pretty well at 300 pounds, so that, that's good. Uh, good show. Uh, and his, his tape, like if you go and you watch him against – Michigan State last year, Pitt two years ago, I think. He he does very well and holds his own, and then some against Power 5 competition. So there, there are a lot of things there you can look to and say, like, yeah, this, there's reason to project for him to to do well when he takes the next step. I, I think to, to Dane's point, like, he may not start for you. I think he will, but there's a chance he, he doesn't and is such a deep group at defensive tackle. Like, I think it's totally reasonable to have him uh, even close to the 20 range, but – I think what he does do well is really important and that's get to the quarterback and he can do it in multiple, you know, a variety of ways. At least that's what we project him to be. So yeah. he's someone I'm really excited about. I'm looking forward to the X and Nulls breakdown of him uh, at that long <laughs> to stop doing a YFSU will get, get beat videos. I've got him at seven and I think Chris has him at seven also most likely because he does what is most important on the football field from a defensive line perspective, and that's get to the quarterback. He, he does it really well. He's got great numbers coming from Western Michigan. Um, I think they're going to be in a lot of games where they're going to be up big, and you're going to ask him to pin his ear back and go get the quarterback. And I think there's a the potential is there for him to have a big sack number from the interior defensive line this year. Easy big fella. All the faces. Kid show. Kid show. Um, the fact that he – could play outside for you some also, and they he allows you the opportunity to be more diverse with your front. That's important because we know that that's something that everybody that follows this program has kind of been clamoring for out of defensive coordinator Adam Fuller is to be so show some more diversity with your defensive scheme. So if, if Braden Fisk allows you to do that um, because of his flexibility as a player, that will only benefit the, this defense. But again, I, I rank him at seven because I think they're going to be up in so many games. They're going to force teams to throw the football. 
that allows him to do what he does best, and that's go get the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think Fisk, I mean, he's he stands out when compared to, you know, I was saying Bayer struggled when he went up against Power 5 competition. Fisk, Fisk shined. Fisk looked good, and they even asked him this past year to play against Michigan State at defensive end, which isn't his natural position, and, and he looked good. I think you're bringing in – and the thing about pass rushers is, one, it's important, like A.B. said, but two, I mean – I think Fisk is going to be about as good of an interior pass rusher as you get. I think we all agree that Dennis Briggs has shown that he can also be an elite pass rusher from the inside. And then you have Jared Verse and you have Patrick Payton who can potentially take that other step. Who do you double team? That, right. that might be a fun video legitimately for you guys to do in July. It's like what are FSU's pass rush combinations potentially. Yeah. Like there's There's a lot of fun that you can have there. So you can almost be higher on these, even though the defensive line is so deep, you can almost be higher because each one is going to look better because they have less yeah. focus on them. Yep. You go a five-man defensive front on passing downs, you get single blocks across the board. You find yourself, who wins? I mean, who? who, who how, how's the team handling that? I mean, imagine if Daryl Jackson gets his, gets his – uh, waiver or, or or even if not i mean you throw dennis briggs or malcolm ray who is often forgotten um with when we talk about this but has shown pass rush upside in his time when he's been healthy at florida state the, these are guys that all can pin their ears back and go get the they like daniel Lyons as a potential pass i rush. love daniel Lyons. gosh i wanted to rank him up in the up in the 20s so bad but couldn't pull the trigger ultimately because of how many bodies they've got Okay, we're an hour and 41 minutes in. There's 89 people here. I'm going to say this. Somebody might get mad at me. I love the hell out of all you people that showed up and watched us tonight. On a Friday night, let's go. On a Friday night, very impromptu. We we didn't put out anything that we were going to do this. Uh, We've been trying to get this done for a couple nights, but there's been a lot going on. Um, Dane, how mad is your girlfriend right now? Ashley, my wife's fortunately sleeping, but it's 10 o'clock on a Friday night. In the dog house. I told her, <laughs> I told her that I'd be doing this podcast at eight, and then I would, uh, you know, let her know when we're done. And she's texting me, you know, throughout this. She actually just said, "Didn't you start at 8? <laughs> that was ten minutes ago. But yeah. Well, I apologize to Dean's girlfriend. <laughs> so I was like, I have homework too. Uh, dot dot dot. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun tonight having these conversations because when we did the first show, we were like, oh, when we get up to the up into the teens and the top 10 there's not gonna be a lot to talk about we're all kind of and then we're an hour 42 minutes in on this third show and holy moly i had a lot of fun posting this into the podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh jiminy christmas um this was a lot of fun guys i enjoyed it a lot of great conversation i hope everybody here enjoyed it thank you to the turner group thank you to chattanooga whiskey uh that's what happens when you date a media celebrity Somebody wants me to freestyle. I don't know what the world he's talking about. I, I can maybe, drop a beat if you can freestyle. Um, we can edit. Holy shit, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Maybe next time. Um, so for Coach AB. Trey, here he is. No. <laughs> <laughs> for Coach AB, Brendan Sinone, Kev, Dane, Knowles 24-7, get to the website. Thank you guys so much for showing up and being with us. Thank you to listening. 
hit a five-star review, hit the like button, do all that fun stuff. Yeah, don't hate us, because you ain't us. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.